So contrary to popular belief, we will not be doing this podcast with our shirts off. Yeah. <laughs> so to start off, tell me, tell me about yourself, Jesse. Do you like long walks on the beach? Where are you originally from? <laughs> I'm from uh, El Paso, Texas, dude. Grew up up there. Um, I was actually born in Mexico. Oh, really? Yeah. Born in Mexico. We moved out here when I was uh, three years old. My grandmother was a big entrepreneur in, in Mexico, and she sold a lot of her stores to be able to like come out here. And uh, the oldest of six kids. Yeah. Sweet. What what type of stores did your your grandma own in Mexico? Uh, grocery stores. Oh, nice, nice. Yeah, grocery stores. Uh, she owned uh, several properties too that she just she's a pretty inspiring story actually because she was a single mom five kids five kids dude. oh wow and she just pulled it off on her own she ended up from zero to having several businesses and then having several properties herself so wow we should have had her on the <coughs> podcast yeah not we should have <laughs> <laughs> yeah no she's she's a really nice lady good woman Oh, that's awesome. Very inspired. Would you say that the entrepreneurial route kind of is all throughout your family? Is kind of a, a thing throughout your family? So it starts with my grandmother, but then there's a gap where nobody was an entrepreneur until the grandkids got older. So I, I, my, my family were like one of the first that didn't take the government jobs and didn't do all the the traditional things that they ask you to do, like go to school, get a good job, and collect the pension at the end. So mm-hmm. that that cushy yeah. best job and yeah, because a lot of a lot of the other kids, uh, other grandkids, and then my uncles, my my dad, they all took the government jobs. They all did the uh, the, the corporate. Mm-hmm. So makes sense. So are any of your your other siblings entrepreneurs or? Um, my my two brothers, one of them is a contractor, and then the other one, he owns a, a small body shop that he's just launching. He struggles a lot because he's really stubborn. He doesn't take advice, but hey, he's he's doing it. This guy's going out there and doing it. That's the biggest yeah. thing. Yeah. So when did you move to Vegas after <clears throat> so El Paso? I moved out here in 2002. And... Uh, I moved out here because El Paso at that time didn't have enough jobs and I figured, you know, if my buddy's friend who's, uh, he was a district manager at Wells Fargo can't pull the strings to get me a job as a cashier at Wells Fargo, then it's not going to go so well. So mm-hmm. I, I just ended up moving out here in 2002. Awesome. So what did you do when you got out here? Um, I worked for a company called, uh, they're no longer around, it was uh, NABN, and they all pretty much did like customer service and sales, and that's when I first started getting interested into sales because I was seeing kids that were my age making like $10,000 a month, and here I was making close to minimum wage. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, that's where I started out. Um, a little later, I, I ended up working at Wells Fargo um, as a bank teller. That was a really cool experience, so got to meet a lot of cool people. Yeah, what kind of yeah. people do you get to meet, you know, coming through the bank all the time? So I met Tony Hawk. Really? Yeah, I met Tony Hawk. I met uh, George Maloof. He used to come in all the time. That he used to, like, bring this huge bag of, uh, this brown bag filled with, like, just, just money, and you just pour it on your on your window dude like, oh wow yeah and then he was pretty cool he was really cool because he, he knew everybody's name he had a good memory so he was a really nice guy good to talk to he didn't he didn't make a prejudice oh you're just a bank teller yeah yeah took the time to that's awesome i really yeah. like guys like that and that's interesting i guess we had on before shelly who you know actually worked at wells fargo too yep. in in reno um, up in northern Nevada, yeah. and I, I asked her this question. I want to ask you, like, was it weird seeing that much money, or was it just kind of a part of your job when you were a bank, when you were at the bank? So it was exciting to tell the stories. 
but for me it wasn't really exciting because it wasn't my money <laughs> yeah but to tell the stories and my, my family to ask because I'm the oldest so I I'm the first one to do a lot of the things that a lot of them have wanted to do so and then for me to work at a bank it's kind of like wow you get to be around all this money uh, especially when they take you to the big vault for the city where they have like millions and millions of dollars all over the place just, just laying on the floor and it's really cool that's not so how long were you with Wells Fargo for? Um, I was there for a year yeah I was there for a year um, I happened to sit at the uh, bank manager's desk one day because I was doing my continuing education. You have to do that every year. And I saw this job position and it said, I think it was something having to do with investments. And mm -hmm. the salary was a million dollars a year. Oh, wow. And I'm like, okay, you guys are paying me this much, but you're going to offer that guy a million bucks a year? Like, I want that job. And I started pushing, I started trying to get better at my uh, people skills, I started um, taking on projects and, and, and trying to help everybody in the bank and I was translating and I wanted to be a, a banker because I, I didn't know there was what, what else was out there. Mm -hmm. So I wanted to be part of the finance uh, department and, and be, be one of the bankers and they said, uh, well you're going to have to work here at least five years before you can do that. Oh wow. And that was just like, yeah, no, no, thank you. No, that's it. So I ended up moving to other banks. I worked three other banks trying to uh, scale, trying to climb the success ladder. And uh, all good stuff. Mm -hmm. yeah. So, what, what made you, you know, um, detract from the bank route? Was it just how long you had to invest <clears throat> in time and everything to really move up the ladder? Well, it, it's more of the, uh, the people you see at the bank, they're not the ones that make the money. It's the people you don't see that are making it. They're the, the people that are raking in the millions of dollars a year, probably billions, who knows. Um, and then I, I, I was very curious. I was always asking, whenever I got somebody that, that would come in to cash their check or make a deposit, I would, I would always ask questions like, what do you do? Like, how did you do this much? How, how do you make this much money? And I, I started collecting all the advice, and, and I figured retail banking is not going to make you rich. And that was that was, that was kind of hard because I, I invested so much time into it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's got to be tough to, you know, put so much time and effort and everything and trying to scale the ladder and then have a realization of, you know, where you want to be in life is not really in line with that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I wasn't aligning. Mm -hmm. um, I, I like, I, I believe that if you put so much effort into your person and, and you're increasing your, your skill, then it should also accompany your income as well. Um, but I was really young and I wanted things like today. Yeah. I want it now. Mm. And I wasn't willing to wait. Yeah, so I believe I've shared this quote on the podcast before, but it's one that really resonates with me. It was an Elon Musk quote. Said, how much you get paid is in direct correlation with the difficulty the the difficult problems you solve. Yeah. And so it's it's kind of weird. You gain a new perspective of this entrepreneurial road and everything is where, you know, you're not paid on an hourly basis. Mm -hmm. It's like what you yeah. contribute and the value you mm -hmm. bring. Yeah, as an entrepreneur, you you could a smile will make you money. Mm -hmm. You know, <clears throat> answering the phone and, and and being polite and being kind and and offering solutions will will make you will increase your income. But one of the things I found out as an employee. Now you can smile all you want, but you're not the one that's making the money. It's the corporation that's making it. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Yeah. You're just boots on the ground, you know, wheels churning. Mm -hmm. And that's not a bad place to be not necessarily. No. Um, but as I've kind of grown to realize is there's, there's two people is like, you know, one that's comfortable with what's going on in their life and one that's, you know, growing and wanting to achieve more. Yeah, and, and I've, I believe I've always felt hungry. I've always wanted to do big things. Um, when I came out here to Vegas, one of the things I told my my parents was like, I, I'm going to do the things that all of you guys wanted to do. 
Like, whether you believe in me or not, I'm going to do the things that you always wanted to do, and, and you're going to be proud. So that was, it's always been my mission. That's awesome. And you being the oldest, you kind of set the tone for all your siblings too, right? Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. Have you always had to be like a, a role model for your siblings since a young age? Yeah. Yeah, that's something that my parents really instilled in me that said, you know, if you want to be the bad apple, you're going to corrupt the rest. Mm -hmm. So why don't you be a motivation for them? So at a very young age, I had to like set the example. Um, at the end, everybody ended up following their, their own their own paths. Mm -hmm. But at least I have no regrets saying that I, I did my best and I always try to be motivation. I always try to lead them in the way that's been working for me. Mm -hmm. So that feels good. That's good. And yeah, you, you know, maybe they didn't follow in your, your footsteps 100% exactly, but you also could have been, like your parents said, that bad apple, yeah. and, it, and it would have affected all their lives. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's awesome. So kind of backtracking back to your career path, what did you go into after banking? So after banking, um, you know, working at the bank, I would totally encourage anybody that's trying to figure out what they want in life. I would say go apply at the bank that's the tallest building in the city and because that's where all the money is going to go to. Uh, big wigs are going to show up, they're going to see you daily and they're going to like you or they're not going to like you. They're going to see value and that's one of the things that happened is every time I moved to another company it was because I was being recruited mm -hmm. to, to go. Um, and what happened in 2000, 2005, there was a, a mortgage broker that walked in and she came in, she really liked how I dealt with people and the way I communicated with them and made them feel uh, comfortable and she recruited me to be her sales manager. Um, I was really young, I didn't know what the heck was I was doing, but um, we had a killer year. That was a killer year. Yeah. That's awesome. What responsibilities did you have as a sales manager? So I was in charge of managing the pipeline for the office. Um, I was also in charge of providing education classes, training, uh, marketing. Uh, back then I knew nothing about marketing. Um, I just knew very little um, the numbers game and I, I started learning sales and, and increasing my skill. Uh, but my, my job was to manage also 150 loan officers at that time, which all of them made tons of money. And, and here I was uh, just starting out, and that was really intimidating, but it, it was also very rewarding to be able to help somebody that's, that you would look up to. That's awesome. And I think that's attesting to, you know, um, you someone saw value in you, right? And you right. could have easily just said, hey, you know, I, I can't do that, you know, and turned it down. I can't handle 150 loan officers. Mm -hmm. But stepping up and, you know, bringing the value you did have and learning in the process and everything, it's, it could take a long way. But a lot of people would just, yeah. you know, shy away from a big responsibility like that. Well, it, I felt like it was my big break because she walked in and, and I had been dealing with her for like five, six months and, and one day she comes in and says, hey Jess, I want you to be my sales manager. We have a person that just left and I think you would be great. I said, I, I don't know anything about mortgages. And she says, well, we'll train you, but most of all you have those people skills and people feel comfortable with you. Uh, she said, you, you have a two people waiting for you two hours just to talk to you. Like, why wouldn't you give yourself an opportunity? And I said, I, I wouldn't, I, I don't know. And she says, well, uh, whatever you make a, a year, I'll pay it to you in a month. And I'm like, I'm done, let's go. <laughs> <laughs> I put a two-hour notice, I was gone. That's yeah. solid. So, uh, so how long were you the sales manager? Um, I was there 2005, six, and seven. Awesome. Yeah. So where did you branch off to after that? After that, the recession hit. <laughs> yep. The recession hit. It was, it was really... It was tough uh, because it was December uh, 2006 and we had a stellar year. I think we, at the time, we were in the top 400 companies in the country. Um, 
and we had a real estate division. Things were going really great. Um, and then January hits, and there was no sales. And we all kept pushing and pushing, and there was no sales. I was like, what the heck's going on? Um, and I stuck around till like around June. And I tried to go on to do commercial lending. Um, I was there with a buddy, Mike. Um, and uh, him and I were trying to close all these commercial deals, but when Lehman Brothers <laughs> collapsed finally, that mm -hmm. was probably the, like, the last bank that could have provided financing for all their deals. And there was no more, there was mm -hmm. no more, there was no more career. Yeah, that's tough. I used up all my savings, had to go. That happened to a lot of people during that time, that's a tough time. So why, that was, that was probably a big crossroads in your life then, huh? Yeah, that was really, that was a tough one. Um, like most people in the, during that time that, that was in my profession, they, they all went and took up jobs. I ended up working at one of the uh, large uh, casinos here in the front desk. And, and again, it's that entrepreneurial uh, mentality that allowed me to start making connections again. Mm -hmm. um, now it was cool because you had the business owners that you met at Wells Fargo and at all the other banks and now you're sitting at the hotel and these people are walking in and I recognize them. So one of the things I would do is like, um, I would up them to the penthouse suites. I would comp them mm -hmm. so that they could remember my name. That's smart. And I would shake hands with them and I would treat them as if we were waiting for you. Mm -hmm. We were waiting for you. We're so happy you're here. We have really exciting news. We want to give you the penthouse suite. And I was pretty much paying for part of it out of my pocket to make sure that these people remembered who I was. That's awesome. How long did you do that for? Uh, for like seven months. Seven months. Yeah. And, then, and then was it the entrepreneurial spirit that was just pulling you back into yeah. uh, other avenues? Yeah, it was, uh, I, I kept showing up late <laughs> to, to, to the Bellagio, I'm going to say the name, to the Bellagio, because I still had a mortgage license, and whenever I showed up late was because I had a mortgage appointment. Mm -hmm. And I kept trying to close these deals, but there was no lenders that would take my loan uh, and place it for a program. Mm -hmm. So uh, eventually they, it, brought, it was brought to my attention. They said, Jesse, you know, we really love the way you work, but we have a point system and uh, we kind of, either you want to stay or you want to go now, that, that's probably the best move you just go. And that's, that's when, I, that's when the, my world of marketing began. Awesome. Yeah, so, and I want to touch on this a little bit. Um, you know, people see people and the successes and what they are now, yeah. and they don't see the background. Because your journey in marketing started all the way back when you were going to be a sales manager for the mm -hmm. loan officer, right? Yeah. So when you say your, you know, your marketing journey began after the being the front desk, what what was the next step? So um, I started meeting people as they were coming in that were attorneys, and I started putting a group together where I would help them generate business and we opened offices and we did a lot of really cool stuff but um, it was it was the the traditional marketing uh, and during that time there was no money so it's kind of like you have to talk I was talking to these TV uh, uh, TV advertisers and saying hey well if, if you give us the opportunity to run these commercials, we'll record the commercials, we'll figure out how to way to do them so we don't rack up the expense, but can we pay you in 30 days? Mm. And, and that's, that's when it started taking off for us. We had radio spots, we had TV spots, uh, newspaper as well, and people I was working with, they started doing really well. That's awesome that you yeah. could bring that value. How long did you do that for? Uh, that was about, for two years we did that and then we all like ended up parting ways and we started just doing our own thing doing your own uh, thing yeah so what was the next step after that in your marketing journey well social media started becoming popular mm -hmm. um, 
And one of the cool things is that when you log into these platforms, you you're able to see analytics. So you're no longer at the mercy of the account executive at the TV station that's selling you on a package mm -hmm. that's probably not going to get any traffic. Uh, now I could see the numbers and I was like, whoa, this is amazing. Mm -hmm. uh, so we started, um, I started, and at the time I was married, I, we were um, talking to people about social media and we started using it for the type of business that I was trying to launch, which at the time was uh, business lending, doing a lot of uh, business lending and using social media, uh, Facebook, using uh, LinkedIn was the biggest platform for me. That was really cool. That's awesome. So the business lending, where did that come from? Where did that idea come from? Uh, just opportunities. You know, when, when you have uh, the ability to have high exposure, these opportunities come to you. And it was a friend out of California who had a, a brokerage business that did only lending for startups. Like, for example, now they do people that are opening Amazon businesses. Um, at that time, it was a lot of trucking companies mm -hmm. and, and uh, anything commercial like restaurants or smoke shops or anything like that, they would do. Uh, That's awesome. Yeah. How, was, how was doing that? It was really easy. It was easy because pretty much anybody could qualify, so that was fun. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's awesome. Yeah. Did, yeah. You, did you enjoy doing that? Did you find fulfillment? I, I always enjoy helping the little guy out that's mm -hmm. trying to make it. I, I really enjoy that. Um, it, was, it was fun because I was able to provide a solution. Uh, a lot of these people were, during the recession, they're about to lose their businesses. Yeah. They just needed some type of cash infusion, so that's that was awesome. a lot of help for them. How long did you do the business to bus or business lending? Um, I think that was up until I started here at with with Signature. I think that was uh, 20, 2015. Awesome. So what brought you to Signature? What brought me? There was an agent that referred me here. Really? Yeah. And uh, I have been learning how to do. Uh, more of the uh, branding with social media. It was really starting to take off a lot more. Uh, but when I started here at Signature, most people thought, yeah, Facebook is for kids, you know? That's where people just do the post and then they just talk about nonsense. So it was, it was a, to introduce the, the product to a lot of uh, real estate agents, they, they, they really didn't have the belief for it. But signatures started thriving with it. Uh huh. Yeah. That was that was about the time when you know yeah. you helped put the vision of signature on the map, social media, and it, it took it far far away, you know. Mm -hmm. um, and I think, and a lot of industries kind of get the first jump on the new wave, and I think real estate always is lagging behind, you know, oh, yeah. on the social For media sure. stuff. Yeah. yeah, and it's like. Social media is such a powerful platform, but I yeah. think it's because a big demographic of the of what the realtor, the typical realtor is, it, they fall and lack behind on technology. I think it has to do that um, agents are, are are trying to learn the next the next product. Mm -hmm. um, agents are always getting bombarded with new products. Uh, there's no direction. Where where do I go? Um, what should I do? Uh, it's just product after product. By this, by that. But there's no really, there's not enough time to really understand why am I doing email marketing? Like, how is it going to benefit me? Like, why am I doing Facebook? Right? Mm -hmm. it, and, and I think as you're trying to sell, you're trying to show homes and, and do all these really cool things that come with it, um, there's no time to learn. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and it's, it's a lot, you know, and as, as a real estate agent, you know, myself, it's like, Okay, we're just trying to find the easiest way to do things, but to take time and like kind of look back and see, you know, why am I doing this? What mm -hmm. is the benefits of it? Yeah. Um, and I think I also have an advantage too because being younger, growing up in the social media age, I'm able to kind of have a little bit of a jump on it, understanding how it works. Um, but learning how to transition it into business versus personal That's, is a whole different story. It. Yeah. Yeah, I think for me it's easier. 
it was easier for me to transition because I started off in business and then understanding marketing. And then now there's a new platform where I could use my old techniques to transfer them into a platform that's gonna create exposure. But yeah, I could see I could see why like someone young it, it'd be a little it was yeah a little a little of a challenge too. Mm-hmm. So doing the media marketing and stuff, what is what is your big vision or goal behind it? Um to be to to get the exposure uh, that Signature needs to continue to grow at a national level. Yeah. I, I have this vision where I believe that with social media, with using any type of technology, you're, you're just, you're able to communicate your message a lot quicker. And, and I think it needs, it, it, it should always be pushed to the fullest every day to make sure that you're always reaching the people that didn't know of you today. Mm -hmm. Like tomorrow you reach someone else. And, and so my vision with just just as it is with Signature, it's Signature International, right? It's the same thing. That's awesome. Yeah, and the, the capability to get that reach out there with social media is huge. Mm -hmm. and. Not a lot of real estate companies have a guy like yourself that's coming in with that vision. You know, like I said, real estate is kind of behind, you know, behind um, on a lot of things technology. Mm -hmm. yeah. So I think that's huge to be able to have someone like you in, in this business and pushing forward to get more exposure. Yeah, it's, it's addicting. That's, that's the cool part. Uh, it's addicting. Um, I'm, I'm always doing research, uh, I'm always reading to make sure that we're on top of the curve, you know, that we're always, um, we're always first. Mm -hmm. uh, that's, and, and then when we're there, I make sure, I want to make sure that we go all out with it. Extend the lead on them. Yeah, because I, I kind of want anybody else that competes with Signature, when they see Signature, I want them to think, we are so far behind. We're not catching up to these guys. Mm -hmm. That's just my thinking. That's awesome. Like a race car driver, you're not going to catch up. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's a good way to think about it. Is there any, you know, new platforms or new things you're coming out that you think, um, as like a real estate agent or the real estate industry needs to jump on? I think uh, artificial intelligence is not being utilized as much in, in real estate as it probably should be by now. Uh, and I really think that in the next years, you're gonna start to see a lot more automation with softwares, you're gonna see it in your CRMs. Um, the things that, that your, maybe your MailChimp account does right now, I, I really think that it's just gonna be at a higher level. It's just gonna continue to grow. Yeah, and putting in those those pieces in place can make your business more efficient. That could be huge. Yeah, definitely. Uh, you know, all this technology is is meant for you to duplicate yourself. Mm -hmm. And if you can deliver the product quicker in less time, that's who's going to win. Mm -hmm. Whoever is adjusting to the changes is going to win the game at the end. Mm -hmm. So I, I really see artificial intelligence uh, growing a lot more. And you see it in other industries. Like, for example, some of the things that, that are happening right now, uh, like for example, Alexa devices, that technology is growing so rapidly that I'm not sure if it's next year or the year after, but they're going to start implementing that in drive-thrus. When you, when you drive up to the window, you place really? your order on one of these devices, and it's just going to... Take take your order and, and, and start making it and everything. Start huh? making it for you. It's bad news for uh, fast food workers. <laughs> oh, definitely. You you go to these supermarkets and now you see more self checkouts mm -hmm. and you see one person managing what five six seven yeah five, uh, self checkouts and, and that's continue to happen. It's just not going to stop. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and then so if you're not you know embracing technology and make it work with you, then then yeah. you can be out. Yeah, really I would quick. I would definitely say you know use anything regards to automation. Start learning it. 
platforms like Zapier, there's others out there, start learning these things because if someone else is, is responding quicker than you are and they're being more efficient with their, with their sales funnel and, and with automation, you're not, you're not gonna catch up with them. Uh-huh. Yeah, because it's, in our society, we're so, we're being treated and spoiled on efficiency and th having things right yeah. now. So if you yeah. can't provide that, someone else can. You know, it almost You're doesn't on. even matter what you want. People want convenience. Yeah, definitely. You know? And that's where you can use the, the AI in, in your business, too, is because I mm -hmm. think, you know, I'm not up at 2.30 in the morning to reply no. to something, but if someone no. goes in and sees one of my ads on a home value mm -hmm. or something, if I can get them to send that immediately, um, that could be huge. Yeah, like, like let's take a look at uh, software such as, for example, Wailopo. Mm -hmm. uh, they, they seem to be one of the most cutting edge right now uh, with the way that they have a sales funnel, they have a retargeting program going on, and they also have a lot of automation. So somebody visits your website, they end up clicking on Zillow, your website knows that they're clicking on Zillow. Really? Yeah, it's, it's really cool. So if you're not set up with your business to do things like you're you're kind of at a disadvantage. Like, you know, most people, most agents right now, they're confused. They get the lead, and then there's no follow-up. You do a couple phone calls, but that's not how the lead came in. The lead came in through Facebook, so then you're calling them which they're not going to answer the phone mm -hmm. because that's not how they communicated with you. So you got to find a way of, of, of meeting them uh, using whatever platforms they're using or, or whatever psychology mentality that they have. You, those are things that we need to figure out. That's huge. Professionals. And, yeah. and then I feel personally attacked on that. Do you? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> because, yeah, I, I do that because I get some, and it's just the way I communicate is I'm about getting them on the phone call, but, and that's but you're great. 100% right. People want to yeah. be, you know, you go, yeah, I don't, if I call something for an inquiry and then, then yeah. I miss call and then they call me back, I'm expecting that. Yeah. Do you know, but if I call somebody about a business and they don't answer it and then they send me a Facebook messenger, I'm like, what? You know, so it's like staying within that lane, and yeah, that actually just kind of resonated with me. That yeah, this week I was reading a book uh, that was talking about um, the elements of power, right? And and one of the things that was saying that depending on what country you're from, there's an element of power when it comes to relationships because you need to be able to influence your relationships. Mm -hmm. And, and I think I can compare it to the lead that came in. If, if you're trying to rush that relationship, there's, there's a shock and it's not welcomed. And that's the reason they're not answering their phone because there's not enough trust to build that relationship. Um, but let's say you start using technology and they start seeing your face more and you start creating more influence with videos, with, with like yourself podcast and then things like that, they start feeling that they can trust you. And that's mm -hmm. when they start answering the phone. That's huge. And, uh, you know, someone we've had on the podcast who's actually really good about this is, is Alex. So one yeah. thing he did with real estate, and he's an older guy, but he's, a, he's always looking into the next new thing. Mm -hmm. But besides that point, what he did when he was in real estate is he, you know, have special marketing on this. So him standing on the roof, you know, or something creative with his wife and he was slamming that out. And then when he would call people and talk to them, they're like, wait, aren't you the guy I've been seeing on the postcard? You know, I've been seeing you, hey, in the grocery store. Hey, you're the guy on the roof with your mm -hmm. wife. You yeah. know, so exactly building that trust. And yeah. now that I think of it as just like, why, why should they answer, you know, my phone call? Yeah, and you know, that's, that's also one of the elements of, of, of power is, is how much are you showing up? And when you're showing up, are you really speaking up? Mm -hmm. Are you really communicating uh, the message of home ownership? Well, what are you doing? And are you doing it with video? Are you doing it with photos, postcards, newspaper articles? What, what is your plan? And, and that, that's always going to work. Because you're tapping into the psychology of, I, I'm going to allow this person to influence me. Mm -hmm. 
Exactly, and I think that's a good way is building trust because a lot of people are just naturally defensive against oh, we all being are. sold. Yeah. yeah, we all are. So this book talked about different countries and they, they, uh, they, they gave it a percentage of where they stand. Like, for example, someone in the UK does not appreciate the way that we try to connect in a relationship. They, 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 they think of it as we're too pushy, mm -hmm. right? Um, we're, we're too nosy, that's what they say. Uh, someone in China would say we're not persistent enough. Mm -hmm. so, so when you start understanding these different methods of influence, you start thinking, how should I connect? How do I make a bigger impact? And that's huge, especially living in America in such a huge, you know, cultural melting pot is finding the best way to connect with everybody. Not everybody is the same. It's like me, I personally like to connect on phone calls, but not everybody likes to be communicated through phone. Like text, do, do you like social media? Do you like to be communicated with social media? Yeah, in a way. I mean, I, I think I'm used to it, so it's comfortable for me. Um, but if it's urgent or business related, I want to get on the phone, you know. But if it's just like catching up and stuff, yeah. So it's kind of an it's kind of an interesting dynamic when you when you think about it because I think people just they don't know what they don't know yeah. about you know what what they can do in their business and you know the golden rule is like treat others how you want to be treated but it's different not everybody's the same like we like look at other people and do things based on how we would like you know what I'm saying. Yeah, and I, I've heard that from agents. I, I don't want to make this cold call. I don't want to bother them because I don't like to be bothered at this time, right? Mm -hmm. But then if you if you think about how much do you really believe in what you do? Uh -huh. Because if you really believe in what you do and it's so important for you to let them know that you can build wealth with my program, why would you not interrupt their dinner time? Exactly. Why? Uh-huh. And when you get on the phone and you truly believe in what you're selling, yeah. what the message you're bringing, then people, that'll resonate with people, you know? And it's, it's switching your perspective of, I'm coming from a place of helping, you know? I, yep. If I bother someone, hey, that's not my intention, but that's yeah. going to happen along the way of me trying to yeah. help as many people as possible. Yeah. So I think also, it, it's good to understand technology, but if if you're using it in a manner where you don't want to bother someone, like for example, the one that, that you've, you and I have heard the most is, I don't want to post so much because I don't want to upset my Facebook friends. Like they don't really care. Yeah. <laughs> just, just post, post your listing, post your message. Because again, if you really believe in your product so much, why would you not want someone to benefit from it? Mm-hmm. Like, and if you believe in it, who do you want to help? Your friends and family. Yeah. You, you should know? have a passion to interrupt people mm -hmm. because you're just you have the best thing, you have the best product. You 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 can help them. Yeah. Buy or sell at home. Uh huh. And when you get comfortable and certain into the value you, you bring, but I feel like when you don't, when you're not certain to who you are and what you bring in your profession, yes. then it's hard to come from that place of value. Yeah. I think that's that's when you could say, I don't want to bother them. I think that's a valid excuse. Mm -hmm. so. Exactly. Well, with the marketing, you know, I know your big picture is to grow signatures' attention on a national or international stage. Mm -hmm. Do you have any other, you know, personal goals or achievements you're kind of set out for? Uh, for the department, for myself. For you. For myself. Um, I think that in the future, I, I would like to help people understand what I understand. And, and I, I guess I'm talking about coaching and, mm -hmm. and really uh, creating programs where things are simplified. Um, most, most agents are at a demographic where they may not ever understand technology. And that's something that I'm not sure if you knew about that. But if you don't understand technology now, you may never understand it. It's yeah, just, it's so. too late. So I, I would love to play a part in the future of, of helping these people and, and eliminating their stress and their anxieties and their, their uh, cloud when it comes to um, understanding technology and how to further their business. So. 
Mm -hmm. and, that's, and that's something I definitely think you, know, you should have no problem doing because mm -hmm. you get it. And the one thing I like about you too is what people don't get is you, you get to kind of a status or a position in your life and you get complacent and comfortable with mm -hmm. where you're at. You know, but what I like about you is you're you're always trying to grow, right? Yeah. Like I remember not too long ago when I go in there, you're like, I'm gonna read thirty books in thirty days, oh, and I was man, like, I didn't make it. <laughs> I, I ended up at half of those books, but but still, yeah. fifteen books in a month. Sixteen. Sixteen books in a month. Like, <laughs> who's reading that? Like, seriously. Oh, man. I, I just have this hunger for for learning the things that I don't understand. I, I want to make sure that. And continue to grow because if I continue to grow then you grow with me and then or the company grows my, my daughter grows with me and mm -hmm. we all start because that's that's influences others too mm -hmm. and you don't just you're not just picking up books on marketing huh you're doing all kinds of aspects yeah. of life yeah I would say the biggest one right now has been nutrition so what's the what's the biggest revelation in nutrition you've had uh, that our body regenerates every so many months and so many years. And if there's a deficiency in your body, uh, you can overcome it. Really? Yeah. yeah. Through, through nutrition or? Through nutrition, through how you eat, um, you can overcome it. Um, <clears throat> I started eating better uh, six, six months ago. I, it was 2 a.m. I was wearing my Fitbit, and my monitor started vibrating. It was it was it was scary to see that my heart rate was over 250. No, oh, geez. Yeah, and during that time, I was eating burgers three times a day. Um, I was drinking daily. Uh, I love Blue Moon, so I was doing that. Uh, not to the point of getting drunk, but I was I was doing a beer too. Um, and then the other thing, I was sleeping two to three hours a day, and I was in a depression. And that was a huge wake-up call. Um, I remember I called my buddy and said, hey, has this ever happened to you? I think this Fitbit is defective. Like, what's going on? Like, it scared the hell out of me. And mm -hmm. I don't know. And he said, you know, it's because the way you're treating your body, you're going to end up dying. And that was the biggest wake-up call. I started um, eating better. Uh, slowly, I started exercising. Um, there's an agent here that helped me a lot. Mike, he was, he was really kind and showing up to create that habit. Um, and then I, I was dating someone that was really big on nutrition. So she started sharing a lot of the things that improve your cholesterol and problems with your gut or depression and, and slowly my depression disappeared it's, and I'm happy for life it's, it's the best thing that could have happened to me and it's funny they're starting to come out with more things that like depression and stuff is linked to like your butt biome oh yeah gut biome sorry definitely yeah and and so with what you're eating and it's it's so crazy because you, you people don't realize what they're eating is going to change their mental state. You mm -hmm. know, obviously there's physical effects that come with it too, but yeah. it can change your mental effect. Oh, for sure. Uh huh. I, I was highly depressed, and, and uh, I would come in to work here, and, and Brandon would see me here at 2 a.m., he'd see me here at 7 a.m., he'd see me at 10 p.m., it didn't matter what time of the week, of, of uh, what day it was on the week. I was here on Sundays, but what I was dealing with was intense depression. Mm -hmm. um, I could not focus because I was eating sugars, I was eating uh, an excessive um, protein diet of just hamburgers and big on sugars. I was eating all the donuts in the sales floor. Mm -hmm. No joke. Like whenever you guys look the other way, I would have like five. Uh, <laughs> and I was having sodas and I could not focus. It, it was taking me uh, probably 16, 18 hours a day to be able to produce eight hours of work. And but but I was determined. I'm not gonna allow what's happening to my body to interfere. Mm -hmm. We're gonna keep going. Yeah. We're just gonna figure this out. And uh, when I started eating better, I eliminated all the sugars, 
and I started having a healthier regimen. And look at me now, I, I, I just read 16 books. I've never done that. Mm -hmm. And I'm excited. I, I one of the, a couple of days ago, I read a book before breakfast. And that was like, was, whoa. Yeah, so there's a little <laughs> bit behind the, the reading. And I've talked to you about this too. Yeah. Do you want to share to some of our listenings a yeah. secret to reading that fat? You yeah. know, getting a book done before breakfast? Yeah. So I will check out a book. Um, if it's a physical book, I have purchased apps that have taught me how to read quicker. So there's apps, and I've shared them before, it's Speeder is one of them. Um, I use a lot of Instapaper, uh, it's another app. Mm -hmm. And what that does, it, it, it helps you read your book. It, you could scan the pages, and it helps you read your book at a high speed. Really. Uh, the average person can read at between 250 to 300 words per minute. This book will take it up to 1200, which is really ridiculous. Like, I don't know who reads that fast. Yeah, but, right. But uh, you, you can read right now, I stay within 300 to 450, depending on what time of day it is. So that's one of the methods. Um, the other one is I, if I get a physical book, um, I, I want to read physically so that I could improve my focus but if I want to improve my listening skills I, I just I'll do an audible and one of the things I'm doing right now is I'll just speed it all the way to the max mm -hmm. doubling that it does for you so all those those things help and reading quicker uh, and then there's some other apps that I use to monitor my improvement that's awesome so, yeah that's awesome crazy <laughs> yeah it's it's crazy because you think you know you're taught one way of how to read and everything through school and it's like uh, how they've been teaching us is wrong oh yeah yeah that's another thing I discovered is is uh, if you have difficulty focusing while you're reading it's because you're just reading too slow and it's 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 they made a comparison to I could drive my car and I could be on the phone, and I could probably read a text, which you shouldn't, and I could, you could do your makeup, you could do whatever, right? But Jeff Gordon doesn't get to do that at NASCAR. He has to have full attention in what he's doing, or else he's going to kill himself. Mm -hmm. You're not going to kill yourself while reading that quick, but if you speed up your reading speed, you, you, will, you will start focusing on what you're Reading, yeah. Yeah. And it sounds a little bit counterintuitive, because when you told me that, I was just like, uh, let, me, let me go test this out. And I'm going and I'm reading, I'm like, holy shit, I'm actually <laughs> comprehending it better and I'm reading faster. Yeah. And my mind's not, yeah. you know, dwelling off. But no, that's, that's a really powerful yeah, tool. Yeah, that's really cool. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So yeah, I, I've been doing a lot of uh, nutrition. I started combining uh, leadership, a lot of some books on leadership. I still continue to do marketing, um, and then also I, I, I do spiritual. I read, I read spiritual books as well. Uh, so I, it's changed my it's changed my life. That's awesome, and that's huge. Is to work on all areas of life, you know, not just be stuck yeah. in, because. You know, like you said before, man, when you're probably sitting at the office grinding 16, 18 hours a day, probably getting a, a lot a lot done. You you look busy, you're doing a lot of stuff, but, you know, how, how productive is it? Um, what other areas of your life are you lacking on? Like you said, you know, you're physical. and then you're lacking all of them. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. So. If, you, if you listen to, uh, if you start doing research and, and you look at all these big... Uh, uh, these leaders, uh, they say uh, Teddy Roosevelt would read a book before breakfast. And my respect to that guy, there was no apps back then. Yeah. You know? Uh, also, they had J John F. Kennedy. He would read a book every day. Uh, that's nuts. That, that's crazy. And then also you have like Warren Buffett who reads 500 articles on, um, on a certain stock. On, on stocks. I think just in stocks per yeah. day. So... There's, there's really no secret to success. I think you just have to have the will to want to succeed. Mm -hmm. So that kind of goes along with, would you say that's your, your biggest advice for an entrepreneur? Uh, 
My biggest advice would be understand your body because you will need it. Uh, understand your body, don't abuse it, uh, get enough sleep, eat well because your focus depends on it, uh, your mood depends on it, you'll be able to control your emotions uh, because entrepreneurship is, is very, it's, you're not always winning. Mm -hmm. And when you're not winning, that depression kicks in. Should I keep going? Mm -hmm. Am I good enough for this? You know, all those that programming that you've done for yourself in the past will start showing up when you're at your lowest point. And th those are the moments when you need to be the healthiest. You need to eat well, sleep well, drink a gallon of water a day. Mm -hmm. Oh my goodness, that 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 one just changed my. My, my world, it, it, my, my mood started getting better, um, I was able to control depression, things like that, so that was, uh, that's the advice I would give. Understand your body first, and then just give it your all, you know? Don't quit. Mm -hmm. That's huge. The body's, you know, the body's your vehicle. Yeah. And you know, it, you can't do anything else when that when that yeah. vehicle's done, when it's totaled. Yeah, and you see you see people out there that talk about, yeah, if you really want to grind, you're gonna work, you're gonna sleep four hours a day, and 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 if you really want it, I did that, and you know what it did? It caused me anxiety, mm -hmm. and it caused me depression, and and I I kept accumulating all these negative emotions inside of me. You're supposed to sleep. You're supposed to get your rest, and if if you don't, you're you're not going to win. What, what good is it to win if at the end you're sick? Exactly. So, mm -hmm. With that being said, man, I really appreciate you being on the podcast. Thanks, man. It's awesome to hear some insights that you have, yeah. and uh, hopefully, we'll get you on again soon. Thanks, brother. Thank you so much for your support and watching and liking our videos. Please don't forget to subscribe and also follow our Facebook page, Loyal to the Soil Dash Podcast. Thank you very much. It's very much appreciated.